Welcome to the media ministry of Crossroads Church Aspen. To learn more about Crossroads, visit our website at ccaspen.com. We hope you enjoyed this message by Pastor Steve Woodrow. How are you doing? Everybody well this morning? Thank you for being here. Um, we're going to dive right in. If you have your Bibles, uh, I encourage you to bring them with you. We're going to be in 1 Corinthians um, chapters 12, 13, 14. Um, we're going to uh, kind of do an overview. Folks, this morning, I just want us to drill in on this. Uh, I got a little buzz or something. Some of you, anybody hear that? Yeah, okay. Um, so uh, maybe I'm a little hot in there. Maybe that's it, a little something. But how are we pursuing love? Um, do I? So, oh, oh, yeah, yeah, nice, nice. Uh, <clears throat> how are we pursuing love? I want to drill into this big, big question. Um, so let me just pray. Father, Lord, we ask you to open our ears, our hearts, God. Uh, Lord, we do have a love problem. But Lord, you're the solution. And we ask you to come, Holy Spirit, and do something amazing, God. Powerful and amazing, because you are love. And, uh, Lord, come move and change our hearts, Lord. If I let your word go out and uh, set a foundation, Lord, let your spirit come and mobilize your people, your family, Lord, to love each other, to build each other up, Lord. Lord, for your glory and for your name. Come now. Let your word be powerful, Lord. In our hearts this morning, increase our hunger, Lord, for your word and your ways, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right, um, how are we pursuing love? Let me just throw this out. Have you ever really thought about that question before? How much time have you spent? I think every one of us would, be, would fully admit the importance of love. We hear about it all the time. But boy, how much time have you spent just sitting down and really... Um, in wrestling with how am I pursuing love? Uh, and I just would throw this piece out into it. Uh, some big questions. Who has formed love in your life? Who has shown you what love is all about? Who's defined it and formed it in your life? Um, obviously, for all of us, the primary uh, catalyst for that is our home, our mother and father. Uh, we're the first to show us what love is. Um, and then we have friendships and on and on. And, and there's plenty of it, obviously, we can explore there. But we know, right, built inside of us across all of culture and time, we all have this desire, deep desire to be loved. And we all are in pursuit of it, whether we know it or not. The question is, how are we doing that? Uh, I think we could all relate to the old country song, right? It says, looking for love in all the wrong places. I think we've all probably done that, right? Um, in this in this world, um, at some point though, this searching for love, I think for everybody, it comes down to relationship. Obviously, the world is forming loves in our life, but at some point, right? Primarily, when we think about pursuing love, we think about people, right? Uh, and we think about good friendships, loving friendships, loving community, and then ultimately in all of our lives, we think of a lover. We think of that one, that spouse who, who we can love, we were made to love and to love us uh, in that process uh, of seeking out love. But, some, but after all that searching is what we know throughout time is that you can have all of that, but there's something still missing, right, in, 
inside our heart is there's only one thing that will ultimately satisfy love and, and, and that is God, right? That is His love because He's defined as love. Love is not God, by the way. That's what our culture and world would say. Love is God. And they get to define that. Love doesn't define it. God defines love. And that's why First John tells us that God is love. And because He's loved us, we can love. Right? That's First John 4, 19. Because He's loved us, we can love. And that love is the love that is to inform all of our love and friendship and everything in marriage. Right? And, and this is why... Um, the be- very best marriage, right? You could just wield this down. The very best marriage that will uh, stand strong in the midst of any storm is the marriage where each spouse, right, is in pursuit of loving Jesus more than their spouse. That's a healthy marriage. Ultimately, is where each spouse is more in love with Jesus right, than they are with their spouse. This is one of my big categories as a father with, with uh, we only have one daughter married now, but um, that was where we camped out. I said, I just have to know, you have to understand from me, if you're going to marry my daughter, I need to know that you have a greater love than her. And that love needs to be Jesus, right? And to drill down on that and go and show me what that looks like, right? Show me what that looks like. And folks, that informs all of our relationships, whether it's a friendship, right? Whether it's others, it's, it's, it's God's love, right? But I want to come back to this because I think we have a love problem. The church today has a, a, has a huge love problem, I think, um, because I, I think we're mixed up a little bit about who's defining love for us and what this pursuit actually looks like and what God shows for his people what love is all about. Um, and so, again, for us as a church body, that let's, let's go there is, wow, well, how are we loving each other? And so back to who's formed your idea, my idea of love, well, what did your church do? Did the church you grow up in show you love? Did it show you a loving community? Did it show you what love looked like? How did it help define that for you, Right? It should be the primary community for that, ultimately, as we're going to see here this morning. So let me uh, move us quickly. Uh, in, I got several things I want to throw out to you, just really three main questions for us to wrestle with uh, individually as well as a, as a church family, um, all around this question of how are we pursuing love. And um, we all know about the love chapters, uh, 1 Corinthians 13. Uh, it's read in most uh, weddings. It's, it is the pinnacle language in all of literature, folks, about the glory of love. We had a beautiful wedding last night. It was read. It was beautiful, right? Exalting God. And that's beautiful and wonderful. But there's something interesting about this love chapter. Chapter 13 is that it is set right in the middle of a discussion Paul is having with the church in Corinth um, about spiritual gifts, about how we interact when the body comes together, how what should happen when the body gathers. This is where the love chapter is. In context of the love chapter, it's not just in some general thing, though obviously it can be used in marriages, anywhere else, because that defines what God's love is. But the primary context that we're to learn this love is right here. Do you know that? It's how we individually love each other. And the expression of that when we gather together. 
um, which is a pretty amazing thing. Now, let me just give a little history, and, and we can all put ourselves on this pendulum, right? Because um, uh, he goes through the love chapter, chapter 13, and we're going to read that here in just a minute. And remember, uh, when the Bible's written, it doesn't have chapter and verse. That was us Westerners. We put that in there. Is when you have the original text written in Koine Greek, it just flows. There's no chapter in it. So we're to just think about how that flows. And so the love chapter, which we're going to read here in just a minute, is all in context of how we love each other in the church, okay? When we gather and worship, whether it's a small gathering or whether it's a larger gathering um, of the church. And he moves through the content of defining love and encouraging the Corinthians to pursue love. You've gotten off track. And he goes to chapter 14, he says, pursue love. And earnestly desire spiritual gifts. And pursue love, church. And spiritual gifts. And um, so here's the deal. Think back in your church experience. Um, We go one way or the other. And all of us can real quickly, as I define this, we're going to be able to put ourselves in this pendulum. Some will say, we just need to love people. And throughout history, they've looked at chapters 12, 13, 14, and they say, ooh, the spiritual gifts, that's too controversial, and maybe they don't exist today, or whatever it is, and so we're just going to set this aside, this scripture, when it comes to God's command of how, what's to happen when we gather, and uh, it's all about, we just need to pursue love. And so it's the church, that method is one of pursuing love without the power and the gifts of God to bring it alive. That's one end. The other end is the people who kind of did exactly what the Corinthians did, and they got all excited about the gifts of the Spirit, and the gifts of the Spirit overrid the giver himself, right? And they went after all the gifts, and, and this is what was happening in Corinth, is they were all excited about spiritual gifts. Paul commends them in chapter 1, is I rejoice that all the spiritual gifts are flowing in the midst of your gathering. Um, but he corrects them here, and isn't it interesting, his correction, this is where he brings the greatest language we have in all the world of what love is in the context of how the church is to love each other with the spiritual gifts in fellowship with the Holy Spirit. And he tells the Corinthians, reel in this self-absorbed expression. The reason the Holy Spirit pours this out, as he says in chapter 12, verse 7, he says, and to each, right, is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. The Holy Spirit gives to each of us supernatural gifting that only the Spirit of God does to build up. Why? So you, so I, so we can love each other with the fellowship of the Holy Spirit. Not just over here on this side, that chuck all this aside, we're just going to love people. That's a fleshly love, no matter how good it looks. All right, it, all the service aspects of God are, are great. But that can still all be in the flesh. That's what man can do. There's no difference between the church loving that way and someone who doesn't know God loving that way. Right? A a person who doesn't know God still will take meals to someone that's sick, will still do wonderful acts of mercy and goodness. You don't need the Spirit of God to do that. Do you know that? Now, when the Spirit of God hits that, it becomes even a more beautiful thing because now we bring God into it, right? Now, this side is, is, is the Corinthians all out of whack, right? It was a very selfish expression. It was, you know, charismania over here, out of order. And it was all about my, what I have. Can I show it off? And Paul says, no. No, this is when you gather, church, it's about the love of God. And it's about the love of God manifesting in each of your lives. 
honoring and lifting each other up so that we can, when we get together, we can build each other up in the Lord. And that we will know we've met with God. We've met in His presence. He's moved among us. He's loving through us. Right? And even chapter 14, we don't, and I just encourage you to go. I'm just going to touch the surface this morning. I should go to chapter 14 and see how the Spirit, how God expects people who are unbelievers to experience the love of God in a powerful way through His people, loving them and having the Spirit of God being vessels of supernatural gifting into a person's life where they come in and they know there's something should be going on here. This is really important. That no one out there can experience anywhere else. Do you know that? The sad thing in most churches is, guess what? They don't see anything different. They come in, they have a rock show, they have some great music, and uh, they have some great fellowship. They have a great peppy message and everything, and they leave. Folks, you can go find that anywhere. You know that? I can take you to a great music. I can take you to where you'll get goosebumps in music out there in the world somewhere. I can take you to hear some of the most greatest oratories. You'll be blown away by their wisdom. That is, man can do that. You know, when people come to church, they should meet someone greater than us. Amen. Now, folks, I just ask you to evaluate your church experience. And Crossroads, I need us to evaluate our church experience. And that is what happens when we lift up the love of God. And our expectation when we come to church is not what we experience anywhere else, anywhere else in the world, because God is here. And we're to be vessels of the movement of His Holy Spirit, right, among us. And this is why Paul lists out nine gifts, supernatural gifts in chapter 12. He says, these are for you, church. This is, this is the Spirit's gifting to you to love like Jesus loved. To think that we can love people like Jesus loved without supernatural gifting, that is just a lie. You'll find it nowhere. How do you just read how Jesus loved people? He loved them supernaturally. Not just the hands-on stuff that's important, but supernaturally, right? And, um, and that's how he commands us, right, to do the same thing. And just... A quick word for anybody watching or here who maybe you grew up in a church where, man, this, this stuff was just like, nope, it doesn't happen like that anymore. It's too scary. I don't want to mess with it. It's too divisive, right? I just want to encourage you that at the end of chapter 4, and go back and look at this. Because down here in verse 38 of chapter 14, 37, 38, Paul makes an important thing to the Corinthians. He says this, the things I'm writing to you are a command of the Lord. This is not optional. This stuff hasn't ceased out there. We need it now more than ever. It's a command of the Lord. And he goes on and says, if anyone does not recognize this, he's not recognized in heaven, in in the leadership of the church. So my brothers and sisters earnestly desire to prophesy, do not forbid speaking in tongues, but all things should be done in order. Why? Because this whole argument is for the building up of the body. To know that the manifestation of the Spirit is here. God is with us. His love is with us. So pursue love and earnestly desire the spiritual gifts. Now, I want to read chapter 13, the love chapter. Now, and I want to read this. I'm willing to bet, like most of you, have never heard it read in the biblical context, not ripped out to a marriage seminar or, you know, some, some relationship seminar. And that's fine. But that's just not the context. The context for the church is right here. What is to happen 
when the church gathers together. He says this. He's correcting the Corinthians. The Corinthians have put too much emphasis on the spiritual gifts. And he's reeling it in. He's saying, you got to get your, you got to let your heart. That's fine. That's good. You're going for this. But we have to restore the most important thing here, which is love. So if I speak in the tongues of men and of angels, he's walking through the spiritual gifts he's just talked about in chapter 12. All right. And he's contrasting. If I speak in the tongues of men, that's vernacular languages around the world. And if I speak in the tongues of angels, that's the gift of tongues. But I have not love, I'm a noisy gong. He says, you can have all this crazy flamboyant, you can show off and do all kinds of things, but if you have not love, then you're just a noise. Just a noise. If you have prophetic powers, understand all mysteries and knowledge, and, and in other words, you can be able to stand up and, and say, if you have all faith, so as to move mountains, but have not love, I have nothing, right? So take this in as this is Paul. This is the reading. Remember, the church, this is the first Corinthians. This was the sermon to the church. What's happening right now. My role is to bring the word of God as the foundational sermon of the theology that this church is to build upon. And this letter was written to the Corinthians and they read it over and over as well as many of the other New Testament as a foundation. Then they responded to it with one another, right? If I give away all I have, if I deliver up my body to be burned. In other words, man, if, you just, you, if you're great in th- philanthropy, you can give it all away. But if it's not love, it means nothing. You can go now and be a martyr. Look at the extremes here. You can go to the farthest, hardest place in the world. But if it's not by the love of God, and you can give yourself to martyrdom, Paul says. If there's no love of God in you, it means nothing. Whoa. Now, here it is, folks. Now, take this in the context of us right here today. Love is patient. You patient, patient with your brothers and sisters here? Love is kind. Are you kind with... Are we kind with each other? Love does not envy or boast. Are you boasting? Or are you lifting up your brother and sister? Are you envying what somebody else has? Or are you content what God has given you? It's not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. In other words, man, am I just dead set? Is my way or the highway? Mm. It's not irritable. <laughs> it's not resentful. It doesn't, hold, it doesn't hold a bunch of list of wrongs done to me. Right? It does not rejoice in wrongdoing. It rejoices in the truth. When the church gathers, we rejoice in the truth of God. When we gather with the encourage each other, we don't rejoice in wrongdoing, we rejoice in the truth. Love bears all things. We're called to bear up one another's burdens. It believes all things as we're to let faith and realize God can do anything at all times. Right? It hopes all things. We're to never lose hope for each other. Sometimes when we get down, we need brothers and sisters to come around us. Come on. It endures all things. Love never ends. As for prophecies, they will pass away. As for tongues, they will cease. As for the knowledge, word of knowledge, gift, it'll pass away. For we know in part, we prophesy in part. But when the perfect comes, that's Jesus, the partial will pass away. When I was a child, I spoke like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. Um, When I became a man, I gave up childish ways. For now we see in this mirror dimly. 
But then, face to face, when Jesus shows up, and we looked last week, didn't we? At, At the end of the book of Revelation, it says we will see his face. Oh, but now I know in part, then I shall know fully, even as I have fully been known. So now, faith, hope, and love abide, these three, but the greatest of these is love. So pursue love, church, and earnestly desire the spiritual gifts. There should be no break there. Now, um, 1 John, you might just write it in your margins here. 1 John 4, uh, 19, I already mentioned this, is, says that God is love. And uh, this is... Uh, uh, such a, a beautiful piece of the gospel. And, you know, verse uh, 13, so now faith, hope, these things, live. spiritual gifts will go away. Once we see his face, we'll be known as we're known, but faith, hope, and love, um, they will abide. And uh, this idea of love, the love of God, this is the gospel. How do, if God is love, how can I experience love? How can I be truly loving? The big questions of our heart. In fact, there's only one answer, and that's the gospel. And Jesus came to show us what love is. He came, right, to be a sacrifice for us. And how, so you, you wonder, why does he say faith, hope, and love? Folks, do you realize that Paul's just saying there's the gospel? These, these things at the core of the gospel. The love of God comes by faith. To be saved, there has to be faith in, in Jesus to die for me. I, I have faith. I believe, Jesus, that you love me and you died for me. And you know what? That, that verse, hope, because think about it, where's hope come from? We talk about hope out there in the world. Hope in what? Where's your hope? Right? The only way hope truly could come alive, it is a product of faith. When I have faith in God, I trust Him, then guess what? The Spirit of God comes and boom, awakens hope. Because now it's in God's hands. And we know just in, as life gets hard and time to get tough, man, in, in that journey, when we surrender and we give Him our trust, right? Our hand, guess what? Boom! The Spirit comes in and we become hopeful again. And then guess what happens the next thing? Is we experience the love of God. God's immense, powerful love over our hearts. He loves us. He loves us. The grace of these is love. Because the gospel is the tool of getting you in love with God. So God can love through you. And so the church can model something that is seen nowhere in the world in its power and its manifest thing, which is the presence of God loving through people to each other. Through the gifts of God, the spiritual gifts of God. Right? Does that make sense? Um, I'd be willing to bet that most of us probably have not really dove in with the love chapter in the context of pursue love. That's the command of God and earnestly desire. By the way, that Greek word is lustfully go after the gifts that God has for you with a motive of love first. So you, so I can love like Jesus loved. So we can love the way God wants us to love, right? And it's God who pours out, right, these these manifestations um, upon us. So um, the the other piece of this, we're going to, Really pursue love. God's word says with that, there's an and. Pursue love and. And the and is earnestly desire spiritual gifts. Um, And so 
what does Paul do? He, he, he starts, he corrects the Corinthians that were out of bounds on all these gifts. Um, I don't have time to go into all these gifts. Just please go read them. They're beautiful. They're needed in the church today. They're not scary. Powerful, right? They're powerful. Um, and so he goes through chapter 14, right? Blending all this together and painting a picture. And he moves towards this uh, uh, in chapter, or verse 26. What then, brothers and sisters? What should happen? What should it look like when the church gathers together? Now, isn't it interesting? We look throughout history and just think about your own experience. Remember this pendulum I talked about? We have certain churches throughout history who they've chucked that aside and we've created our own man's tradition. We've created, this is how church should look. And I ask you to really think deeply about it. Are the things that you grew up in, the things that you do, are they commands from God or the things that, God, that man created right, to help in worship? There's nothing wrong with those things. But there's something wrong about putting a higher commitment to man's tradition than the commands of God. Does that make sense? I'm just going to just throw it out there, right, to, to, for us to think about. Because many of us have put a higher commitment to our liturgy we like, our denomination we like, the way church should look like, right, with the certain building it should look like, the, the creeds, the church calendar. Just We go down the list of things, right, that these are man-created. They're man-created. Are they good? Sure, they're beautiful. But they're not the commands of God. And what happens is, throughout, especially in those forms of churches, is that we get more committed to those traditions, right? And think about it. Many of you grown up in some very high church, let's just say, scenarios where what was talked about and ingrained in you were the traditions of man. What about the commands of God? What about leading to the presence of God and the gifts of God? Right? And nothing wrong with those traditions. As long as there is a higher precedent on the commands of God, this is what it's to look like when we gather together in the presence of God. Now, some of you have been over here. And you've been in, and you have a bad taste for the gifts because you've seen the abuse. You've seen the, the Corinthian problem. You've seen a lack of love and the abuse of the gifts. Well, what Paul would say to this end is, hey, don't throw the baby out of the bathwater. We need to get rid of that misuse. We need to put it in order. And we need to shore it up with the love of God. Pursue love and desire right, spiritual gifts. And so he answers this question. If we're going to answer this fully, then we say, okay, well, what does it look like? So verse 26 says, what then, brothers and sisters? When you come together, this is a command of the Lord. When you come together. Listen to this. Each one of you has a hymn, a song. We've had that here before. You ever been in a service where somebody's just overwhelmed and they birthed a new song? At Outpost a few months ago, Trinity, boom, right in Trinity came and wrote a song of worship. It was awesome. In fact, he sung it here on Sunday morning a few weeks after that. I could go point after point. It's beautiful. It's beautiful. The Spirit of God moving, right? Using our gifts to bring a blessing. We need to hear that song again, by the way. Um, a lesson. Somebody brings a lesson. In other words, this isn't a sermon. This is a lesson in response. This is what God has shown me. It's something short, but it's powerful. Look what God's word did in my life. Boom. To encourage us, huh? And that's exactly, thank you, what Julie did here this morning in the midst of worship, right? A hymn, a lesson, a revelation. This is a prophetic word, a gift of prophecy. God has given something. We think, wow, it could be for an individual person. I'm going to go bless somebody. Oh, I feel the Lord has this for you. Or it could be something that's for the whole church to give. And folks, this is why we have open mics at both ends of this stage. 
Why do we have them here? Simply to be obedient to what the God's word commands us. Be the church. It's not just about coming and being a consumer and watching what happens on the stage. It's about being the body, embracing, earnestly desiring love, pursuing love, and earnestly desiring the gifts so you can love others. could be just one-on-one. It could be you have something for the whole body, right? That's why the mics are here, to be obedient to the word of God. A tongue, right? The gift of tongues, right, is like a prophetic word, or it says, or an interpretation. Because you can't have a tongue without interpretation, so we can understand what's going on. It's a beautiful gift. Let all things be done for building up, for love. This is how God builds us up. And so what would happen if we came together and wow, we just want to build each other up? If anyone speaks in a tongue, let there only be two or at most three. And each in turn, let, every, let someone interpret. There must be interpretation. That's another gift. But if there's no one to interpret, let each keep silent in the church, in other words, not bring a public, they can pray in tongues, worship in tongues all day long, but not from the mic, right? Not to the whole church, right? And Paul describes this in chapter 14. Let each keep silent in the church and speak to himself and to God. Let two or three prophets speak and let the others weigh what is said. If a revelation is made to another sitting there, um, <clears throat> let the first be silent. For you can all prophesy one by one so that all may learn and all be encouraged And the spirits of the prophets are subject to the prophets. For God is not a God of confusion, but of peace. Shalom. Right? So three at the most. Why is that? Because I don't know about you, but after I hear, you know, a a third testimony, I, I, I lose track. I lose the power of the first one. It's just common sense. It's order. Only three. So we can really highlight those, right? And really soak them in and rejoice in what God is, is doing in all that. But remember, all these things can be used as well, not just from the mic, but just to another Lord, you have something and you just want to bless someone in the body. So does this make sense, gang? We need to wrestle with this. Because if you think, I'm just going to be very bolder, if you think that you can love people, if you really can love people, and we can be a loving body and reject God's gifts, that's a very limiting love. And not only is it limiting, but how do you think God feels? I think the Holy Spirit feels if I say nah to the things he wants to give me or to others. How do you think God feels about that? Right? In other words, they're, they're, this is how God's done it. Pursue love and earnestly desire spiritual gifts so we can love like Jesus. Right? Because if I think I can just love, you know what? That becomes a very fleshly love. It might look good on the outside, but guess what? The motive. Because guess what? I'm doing it under my own power. And folks, again, take this into marriage. If I think I can love Michelle, you know, uh, under my own power, you get, uh, that's not going to go very long. It's not going to go well at all. But I need to start loving Jesus. Jesus, show me how to love. Show me what your command is to love my wife like you love the church. I need you to do this in me, right? Empower me by the Holy Spirit, right, in this process. So folks, let's pursue love. Um, I just want to cast a vision here as I close um, what would happen? What would happen if we obeyed this? What would a church look like if we obeyed this? If we obeyed pursuing love? God is love. He saved me by the blood of Jesus. It's the gospel that puts me in the place of experiencing the love of God. And now he wants that love to flow through me. And Lord, what do you have for me? I want to get involved. I want to, I want to be a part of this. And I want to love on people. I want you to love through me. 
however uniquely you want to, to others, right? In a unique way. Show me, Lord. Give me. God has gifts to give you. Why would we ever turn down a gift? Yeah, sure. Or just wrong teaching. How about that? How about just wrong teaching? I said, I don't don't have to mess with that. And to think I can love without actually earnestly desiring. God, make me a vessel of love. A powerful vessel. And and even in preaching, this is why Paul said, Oh, Lord, I I don't want to go without you. My word, may it come with a demonstration of your power. Not just an intellectual dump. But let there be a move of your spirit. Let hearts change, right? That should always be our desire. So, um, folks, when we gather, um, Derek, y'all can come on up. Is uh, Man, I just want us to, to think about this idea. There should be something going on here that is not going on anywhere else in the world except in God's church where his people are gathered. And when somebody comes, they should just go, wow. There is a tangible manifest. The word manifest means something evident, moving, happening. There should be evidence of love. And there should be things unexplainable happening, right? And I don't know about you, but it wasn't just about a week and a half ago where I I finally, I said, Lord, I need a word. I need a word on this issue. And man, it was three hours later, someone that I hardly know got a prophetic word and it was like straight to my heart. And folks, let me tell you, you know God's spoken to you. You know He's real. You know He loves you. That's how you know He loves you. When the Spirit of God moves through each other to bring that blessing, right, into our lives, right? And and folks, this isn't all the spiritual gifts. There's a vast array of spiritual gifts that must be bolstered, right, when it comes to the team from Snowmass was here serving you, and they're going to serve you right now, empanadas and coffee as we go out of here. They're here. Serving you, serving us, to love us, to be, let that gift of hospitality flow, right? Now, the world can do that. Restaurants do that. But I'm telling you, when the love of God hits, and the power of God hits hospitality, something special happens, right? Something special happens. We have the best coffee in the world right in there, right now. Sorry. <laughs> Father, thank you for your word. And Lord, now let's respond. Let's respond. What do you, what do you, how do you want to encourage us? Encourage us, Lord. Let us, let us, Lord, forgive us. Forgive me, Lord. Lord, for lacking love. Only you can do it, Lord. Come, make us lovers, Lord. Restore that to the foundation of your people and your church. And Lord, let us, like like children on Christmas, Lord, just ready to rip open those presents, Lord, let us have the heart, Lord. Give us, Lord, come on. We want to participate in the fellowship of the Holy Spirit. Yeah. Lord, it's a joyful time. Only you can truly bring alive love and all the fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy. Folks, I think that's it, Lord, for us to understand. Love, it's a fruit of the Spirit. I can't muster it up. Only the Spirit of God. So come, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to this message. To hear other messages or learn more about Crossroads Church, visit our website at ccaspen.com.